What sort of shirt were you looking for? A regular shirt. See this shirt? Every guy in our block's got one of these. Yeah, you guys don't dress regular. I mean, you got on vests. It's hot as hell here. These gentlemen and ladies were hand-picked to work for me and dress accordingly. Hey, where'd you find these guys? Noah's Ark? And you. You was a lot of trouble finding your fly. I really must apologize. Monty, I've made a mistake. I didn't realize what your true talents were. You have such... Fashion sense. Everything we've been buying. Wrong. All wrong. Tell us more. Well, your pants. Our pants. Yeah, got our pants with lots of room. Mm-hmm. So when you sit down, they don't split. And zippers don't work easy so you can fix your shorts. Know what I mean? The slacks blouson avec le zip. Whatever you say. What about shoes? Well, these shoes that go on and off easy. You know, no shoehorn. And no laces. They slow you up. Yes, I see that. Chunky black mailman Oxfords with adorable little white cotton socks. Big blousy bowling shirts. Mel! The regular guy look. everybody and welcome to the Nightfly with your pal Dave Juskow on a chilly January evening in uh, waiting for the playoff championships NFL football to finish up go to the Super Bowl and the middle of January nothing going on nothing happening and everybody's getting confused what's going to happen to me this year what are we doing what are we all doing What's the action that's coming out? Well, it's called The Night Fly with Dave Juskow. And if you want action, you got it. Of course, today's not that day. But, you know, in the, in the, in the coming weeks, sure, they'll, they'll, be, they'll be fun. Well, I don't have anything planned for you tonight. I mean, I have stuff planned. but I have a lot of stuff planned, actually. But I'm just saying we don't have any guests. It's just you and me again, as usual. Because, you know, it takes a lot to prepare what we did uh, in the eight weeks from October 31st to December 31st. We... Um, we put together a lot of uh, interesting shows, and, uh, you know, it takes a while to put that all together, put it all back, you know, now that I got this new job, you know, where I'm in charge with my own office and everything, and everything's going smooth, and like, <laughs> you know, except for the fact that the HR director hates me. And But what's new about that? As we all know, the HR directors of yore have tried to kill me at uh, parties and things like that, so that's the kind of love Dave Juskow brings to an office setting. And uh, the people that want to hire him and put him in charge are uh, obviously idiots. So <laughs> that's how the world works, of course. And uh, being white does have its privileges. So uh, how are you, everybody? Uh, day 20 of the government shutdown. Uh, it hasn't affected me yet, but I am flying out. When you hear this, I'll already, well, I'll be in my way back from Orlando, Florida. Home of the Pro Bowl, which everybody enjoys so much. The Pro Bowl, and then, oh my God. Every All-Star game, well, the world's the baseball All-Star game ain't that bad. Otherwise, all, all All-Star games suck. NFL's probably the worst, maybe. I don't know, no, maybe, I don't know. They all suck. Who cares? No one cares. No one cares. No one cares. 
But anyway, I'm going to Orlando. When you hear this, I'll already have been back. So obviously I had to tape it beforehand, and then I'll tape one as soon as I get back. And we'll continue. Uh, I ain't stopping anytime soon until Memorial Day. Uh, because that's what I usually take a break of some sort. But otherwise, we are on board for the next five months or so, whatever it's going to be. And that's the summertime already. Yeah, it's going to be unbelievable because, you know, maybe my hair will be back. by then. We'll lose a little weight and everything's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be unbelievable. It's called the Summer of Dave. The Summer of George, the Summer of Jessica, whatever it is. How you doing, everybody? The Nightfly continues now. Good afternoon, everybody, and I hope uh, everybody's having a lovely new year. Great to be back once again and uh, overlooking the lovely new home of the Amazon headquarters, soon to be right across the way where I look, out the window when I'm doing this podcast by myself. Otherwise, when I do it with other people, we overlook a brick wall, (laughs) and that's fun for everybody. I was going to have Memo Salazar as my guest because uh, we're still not talking. Um, As I say in Spinal Tap, we shan't talk again. Uh, But I thought maybe if I have him on the podcast, well, that's an interesting podcast. We can kind of hash it out in the podcast. We have not spoken since the tragedy of him um, losing the Puppet Picks files and me getting just absolutely furious on him and any future projects that I may work with with him I don't want to work with. Why would I want to work with a guy that doesn't seem to be able to maintain a professional atmosphere and attitude? He's obviously an idiot. And, you know, this is the problem with the whole country. you got these Mexican kids. They come over out of nowhere. No, I'm just kidding. Obviously, Memo's, uh, you know, a doll technique. I'm just really angry at him, so I thought we could hash it out. Maybe we'll do it next week. So where I got my coffee from today... It was a dude, and it stinks, you know. The girls only know how to do it good, and what's the point of going to a coffee shop unless there's a pretty girl making the coffee for you? Am I right, folks? No matter how old you are, no matter what you're doing, if you're married, you say whatever, you know, hey, come on, you want a pretty girl making you coffee. Or a pleasant-looking man. Well, this guy wasn't bad-looking. He just stinks. I don't know. Yeah, I want a girl making the coffee. I like, I like chatting with them. I like... Even if they're idiots, I, you know, I like talking to them and, you know, saying, so, how you doing? Because, you know, they like that. No, no, they don't find it creepy. I was talking to my uh, friend Joe today, and there was this girl I think we've talked about on the podcast before. You know, she's uh, 16, 17, maybe, I don't know what it is. I know it's ridiculous, right? But she has the look that I would like. When she's older, uh, you know, blonde, pretty, maybe not completely thin. <laughs> and, uh, well, she changed, you know, it's on an Instagram, she changed her hair color to black. I'm done. It is funny. I am like a Pavlovian dog when it comes to the hair color. For some reason, if I like a blonde girl and she turns her hair black, I'm, I'm done. I don't, I don't know what it is. I'm just like, Ugh, what's that all about? I was thinking maybe it has something to do with my mother because, you know, everything goes back to Rhoda, but because Rhoda's not a natural blonde. When we were growing up, she had black hair, but then she uh, covered it blonde and frosted, and she was much better looking after that, you know, but, you know, just, but that's, you know, that's a whole other story. 
Anyway, uh, coming up February 19th, just added to the Comedy Cellar Dave Driscoll Oscar show. I need a good name for it, but right now I'm like, Dave Driscoll's Night at the Oscars. That's not too gay. Um, just added, in fact, the first part, besides Matteo Lane, who's in, and you're going to have him host as, you know, the host, hosted by Liza Minnelli. Hilarious. Uh, I'll just come up as different guests. And now, please, to announce our next winner. I'm, I'm thinking of things. Uh, please welcome to the stage, you know, such and such and, you know, Michael Caine. And I'll be like, the nominees for best comedian of all time are, you know, I'll just go over whatever. And then we introduce uh, the acts. And uh, in this case, uh, just added to the show hours ago, the very beautiful, sexy, and truly hilariously funny Nikki Glazer, everybody. Nikki Glazer, first time Just Gow employee on uh, the Oscar show, February 19th. The beautiful Nikki Glazer, fresh from Dancing with, Dancing with the Stars. And uh, the, the, the roast of uh, Ronnie on the Howard Stern Show, where she was terrific, so sexy, so nice. Why is she single? Don't know. Why am I single? Oh, <laughs> listen. You guys listen to the podcast. You know that. Why is she single? That doesn't make any sense. So then you say, well, Dave, why don't you go out with her? I've talked to Rachel about that before. Rachel Feinstein, who's her best friend. And, uh, yeah, she doesn't see that happening. I don't know what kind of guy she likes, but I'm pretty sure it ain't me. Uh, but that's all right. She's a really good comic, and she's going to sell tickets. And uh, for my money, she's uh, a headliner, a big enough headliner, that now I can go to get anybody I want. You know, you need that one person, like a Melissa Villasenor uh, or somebody, you know, from SNL that's, that's, that I think will sell tickets enough to sell out the show, and then I can, you know, use... a Everybody else, my friends. Uh, I always want to use Rachel Feinstein, but I use her a lot sometimes, so I don't know. But I really just wanted to call Joe Mackey again. I mean, this kid just cracks me up, and I know I've used him before, but he's so funny. I just like talking to him. I like working with him. Maybe we can do some sketches. So anyway, February 19th, Mateo Lane, Nikki Glazer, and more TBA. So that's exciting. That's something to look forward to in the uh, coming month or so. A couple of uh, things going on. Penny Marshall passed away, which is uh, odd. That whole Marshall family is dying off uh, quicker than they should. I think they all smoked Uh, because Gary Marshall died. I don't think he was that old. Penny Marshall was in her 70s. If somebody dies in their 70s at this point, you're like, what? But uh, so Penny Marshall died. And, uh, you know, and listen, when people die, if I have met them, I tell you a few stories. We talked about Bob Einstein, uh, Funkhauser last week, because I uh, got to meet him, which was very nice. And Penny Marshall, I did get to meet. Uh, I don't remember what we were doing. Of course, it was with Sarah again, but but I met her on my own. We were at maybe B.B. King's on 42nd Street in Times Square. I don't remember why we were there, 
uh, I don't think Sarah was performing. I think we were going to see somebody. Because I remember that same night I, I met Steve Urkel. And uh, I spoke to him for a while. Yeah, that was a fun night. But that was the night where uh, it was really funny. I was talking to Penny Marshall on the street. And I just started a conversation with her. And then Sarah afterwards goes, what were you talking to Penny Marshall about? She seemed like she was completely intrigued and talking to you. You guys were talking for a while. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Uh, you know, but I do remember having a really terrific conversation with her about basketball. And uh, I didn't really know she was a, a huge fan, but I remember seeing her at like Phoenix Suns games, you know. And, and that's the funny thing about sports is, you know, when you're watching on TV and you see certain things, when you do meet uh, your sports guys that you love, you know, and you have tidbits for them, you know, who doesn't like that? So especially when you see celebrities at games, that's a very easy topic to talk about. So you don't say, oh, I, I loved you uh, as Laverne, you know, because that's not going to, you know, then she's going to be like, who the hell is this guy? But if you talk about, oh, I, I saw you at the Phoenix Suns game, I tell you, you got a lot of balls because I think she was a huge Clippers fan. That was it. And she was rooting for the Clippers at the Suns game. She was in Phoenix. And I go, you got balls, lady. You were the face. She goes, yeah, I don't know. And we started talking about that. And it was a good relationship breaker. And then she just started talking about basketball. We started talking about stuff. And it was really fun. And she was nothing but really a, a, a joy and so cool. And uh, and I had found out recently, I guess on Howard Stern, that she was just doing a documentary for Dennis Rodman that he was doing uh, that wasn't working, not about going to Korea, but like I guess his basketball thing because she really was like a huge basketball fan and, she, and Dennis Rodman thought she could help this project and she wanted to do it because she really was a huge basketball fan, which I, you know, I didn't know. I just remember seeing her a lot. And you know how it is in L.A. Everybody's Lakers, Lakers, Lakers. So when you see a Clippers fan like me, uh, not a Clippers fan, but I'm saying, you know, liking the Devils, like like if I ever become famous, everybody will know I'm a Devils fan. You know, they'll see me the Devils, and people will be able to come up like, oh, how are your Devils doing? I'm like, oh, they're doing okay. So that's the thing. So with her, because there's so little, very few Clippers fans, it was a very easy thing to do. If you go to Jack Nicholson and talk about the Lakers, he's going to know you're scamming him. Because everybody knows that. With Penny Marshall, she knows, like, you know, I was really, you know, and I can pretty much hold my own with sports stuff. And, you know, I, I know who covers the spreads. As a matter of fact, last night uh, I was at the Nets game uh, with my friend Lee. And as you know, if you listen to the podcast uh, a couple months ago, we had John O. Abrams on. He used to work with uh, the great John Hughes. And we sit right next to him. Lee's seats are right next to John O. Total coincidence. Crazy. And John O has, you know, this guy is something else. When you listen to the podcast, he's like a, a true journeyman. He's always got something sketchy going on. You know, and he's at every Nets game, every Islanders game. Remember, he's that guy, needs to do something every night scheduled. So when I tell him I got a show February 19th, he's like, I got something scheduled. I'm like, I know you got something scheduled. The question is, can you move it? The guy has something scheduled every night night he cannot be home so he has passes like i when i go to the devil's game i can go to the vip area and eat for free uh, and so he has the exact same deal at the barclays center and uh you know, and he has this ticket where really you can actually go to all the concession stands and get food for free uh, that's amazing 
but he also has the buffet upstairs for VIP members. So every time Lee and I have gone to the buffet with his ticket, he always gives it to us when we go up there, I have been like, this sucks. I'd rather go to the concession stands. This really blows. Everything they have here kind of stinks. So the only reason I really like going to the Nets games because the seats are kind of small and I don't give a shit about the Nets or basketball. But always going to a game with your friends is fun. But I really like these Buffalo Bites, and I'm sure I've spoken about it before, at the Barclays Center. Uh, I don't know what this concession stand is called, but they have Buffalo Bites. And I like getting the, you know, the paper tray you know, that you get like French fries in. And then they give you the crinkle fries. I usually don't like French fries because they're too filling. So what I do is I put, you know, I go to the, you know, the sides area and I put like barbecue sauce and relish on it. And for some reason, it just really makes me happy. And I look forward to like a day in advance. I look forward to it, you know. So John goes this time, he goes, no, no, they got the Buffalo Bites in the concession stand. I'm like, listen, jackass, I said I'm not going to fall for your bullshit this time. I'm not going for it. I'm like, you know, joking, yelling at him. But I'm like, oh, no, we're not falling for it. Now just give us the ticket for the free food. Because <laughs> normally I'd get it before I went down, but we know he has that ticket, and he doesn't mind giving it to us because I think he gets like a $200 every game thing. He doesn't, you know, buy $200 worth of food. Uh, He's not John Panette, <laughs> the late John Panette. So, so he says they have them up there. So me and Lee go up there, and they actually do, and they look amazing. They already have like crumpled blue cheese on it already, and they have some like celery shaved celery on it. It looks beautiful. So instead of the regular portion, I would get like about six or seven of them. I got like ten or eleven of them. It was horrible. And then all of a sudden they had sliders. Now I usually don't like sliders; they're too filling. But these look delicious. Cheeseburger sliders. And then, you know, they got the cheese sauce and the chili sauce, tiny tomato slices, and, oh, the the, the fried onion, the uh, the cooked onions, you know, that they have the hot dog carts. And I'm like, oh, I'm putting all that on. And I had two of those. Then they had steak. And I took that with, like, steak butter. I went crazy. Oh, my God. I didn't even have the macaroni and cheese that looked delicious. Uh, who I had heard from other folks said uh, it was too cheesy, uh, which I, I don't know how that could be, but I understand. And um, they had so much other stuff, which I just couldn't even, you know, pie. I mean, you know, I could go back and put it on the plate. I said to Lee, I'm like, let's eat at these tables. Let's not bring this downstairs. Fuck the game. You know, we'll watch it up here and eat like gentlemen. Because, you know, you cannot eat a huge plate of food like that sitting in a chair. It's on a paper plate. It's impossible. So we ate up there, which was perfect. That Lee doesn't mind, you know, because sometimes he's like, come on, I want to get back to the game. But he didn't care, thank God, because it was so much easier and more fun to eat back then. I had a Coke, beautiful Coke, you know, with the game, the Coke with the ice. It's so delicious. And, you know, now he told you I don't drink that much soda anymore, so a Coke is a treat at a game. And it's so good, regular Coke, not that diet crap. And it was so good. Then I got another Coke. Then I, then I had two cannolis. It was sick. By the time I got down to the game, I could not move. I couldn't talk to anybody. I overate. I was just waiting for the game to end so I could go home. And I just had the whole game to go. I think we got there with like seven minutes left in the first quarter. So I was like, oh, no. 
And people were like, they were talking, you know, they, uh, Lee and Jono were talking to me, and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh yeah, yeah. And so at halftime, I'm like, I want to go up and get another soda, and I just couldn't do it. I couldn't go, like, you better go now. And I'm like, no, nah, I can't, I can't, I can't get up. I got, you know, I got a little high before I went. I probably had something to do with it, but I was, just, I was, I mean, I was, I was so comfortable. I just couldn't leave, and in a complete food coma, but never falling asleep or anything, but just, oh my God, it was so good. Thank God I didn't go back up and get seconds because I tell you, I, I probably could have. And for lunch, I I didn't. I only had a sandwich. This girl at work, I was uh, doing some training for these kids. And this girl's like, yeah, we'll train them and we'll have the lunch. And uh, and she ordered a horrible lunch. This woman, does, this woman must have gotten lessons from my mother. She ordered a horrible lunch. There wasn't anything to eat. I had like half a sandwich because I knew I was going to eat later. I was still pissed. You know, I always wanted something delicious, but... Uh, wasn't to be, which was fine. So I didn't really eat that much. And I didn't eat from the night before, which is good. So maybe it's not too bad. And then, you know, when I got home, pretty much all came out. But, you know, the but kids, uh, speaking of, so, so let me just tell you this. So after I did the podcast last Saturday, I, oh, let me, let me just tell you one other thing about the Nets game. So, Nah, that's nah, just a gambling thing. I well, I I took the Nets, you know, because I'm up this week, right? You know, what are you gonna do? You know, I'm in big trouble, but whatever. I'm up this week because I won in the the Clemson and Alabama game. I took the over. I loved the over. It was fifty six and a half. I'm like, oh come on. I love that one. You know, even though a lot of times I'm like, eh, I don't know if this one I really liked, so I put a little more. And then I just took Clemson and the over because I really like Clemson. I pushed the plus seven. And boy, was that game great if you bet Clemson and not entertaining if you bet Alabama, which I did not do. And then the second half, I bet Clemson again. I said, no, I think they're going to keep applying the pressure. So it was beautiful. So I was up like a lot of money this week, and I didn't want to blow it. But, you know, going to the game, uh, you know. So I put a little something, but I don't trust the Nets minus nine points. The Nets, they stink, but they've been getting better. So I take the first half minus five. They they're getting killed in the first half. The, the Hawks were up by like twenty, and then the line was like the the Nets that they'll score nine points just from being down that many. They basically have to win by three. And I'm like, you know what? I really like that one, and that worked out perfect. I don't know why I told you that story. I don't usually like to tell you about this degenerate gambling stuff, like the particulars, but I must because if you're going to do a podcast about yourself. Can't leave anything out, anything that could be devastating, you know, when I get beaten up by the bookie or killed or something like that. You know, you need to know how degenerate it is, and it is that. So anyway, I don't know why. So, yeah, there was no reason. That story goes nowhere. I really don't know why I told it. Anyway, here's the point. After After we did our last podcast, I taped it on Saturday morning. I went out. And I was very productive. Remember I said I was going to get very productive. I went out. I uh, I went downtown. I got a haircut. Now I go to my guy in Soho. Took the electric bike. Thank you very much. I was telling you how amazing that bike is. So I was taking it the other day, and I parked it at this. They have a valet parking for Citibank. Citibank. City bike. Uh, well, it is the Citibank, people. City bike. They have some valet services around during the, uh, between like, you know, 9 and 7 o'clock at night for the very active stations. 
So you can park your bike there even when there's no spots. The guys that are working there remove it or whatever. So I parked the thing, and he goes, hey, how do you like that bike? And I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. He goes, it's like the Mercedes of the bikes. And I'm like, it is. It's amazing. And he goes, yeah. And I'm like, there's just not that many. He goes, well, you know, it's a weird time of the year, but this summer they're putting out 2,000 more. And I'm like, awesome. That's such good news. They're so popular. It's so hard to find one. So I go down to Soho Saturday, get my hair cut with a handsome Israeli fella. And then my plan is I'm going to get, I'm going to go to the manicure place that Liz from the Comedy Cellar goes to because I'm going to get her a gift certificate because uh, that's the gift I'm going to give her this year. I always give her a Christmas gift for, you know, planning, hooking me up with the shows and everything. So I got her a gift certificate for a couple of minutes. I know this is her favorite spot because she bought me there once. And there was nobody there. So I got the gift certificate and I'm like, you know what? Uh, I'll tell you what. I Hey, I'll tell you what. I've got a pedicure today, you know, because... Because it's so gay, I think I, I I think I do a little accent, by like where I maybe I'm probably doing it a little on purpose. Yeah, you know what? I think I'll get a pedicure. Oh oh oh, because you know it's just it's like I have to like exaggerate. Like yeah, maybe I don't you know yeah. Would you like a manicure? Hey, I don't know. Maybe you know what? I can't decide. You know what I'm talking about, right, ladies? So. Uh, only because no one was there. I like, no one was there. It was beautiful. So I'm like, okay, I'll get a pedicure. Because if people were there, it's too embarrassing. Unless I'm with a friend, you know, then it's cool. But uh, I know they don't like doing dudes. Uh, but I really needed one badly. So I uh, so I got one. And it was nice and comfortable and good. And still no one was there. And I'm like, hey, you know what? Yeah, I think I'll get a manicure too. Hey, oh, oh. <laughs> They're like, she was like, are you a homosexual? And like, oh, oh. Um, why do Chinese girls taste different than that? You think me better? <laughs> so um, anyway, uh, so yeah, I got everything. And, and, and then I went outside and it was like drizzling, but it was like nice. I was like, oh, I figured everything out and. You know, I knew the games were coming on at 4.30. I was like, that's eh, a good day, uh, but I really don't have anything else going on, so I'll just walk home. It was it was kind of a great day, except it, then it started raining. Like I, So I was looking for a bike to take home, and I just kept walking to the electronic bikes, but every time I got there, they were already taken, and then I finally found one, and it started pouring. And I drove completely home in the rain, and then that's why I just it was just pouring. It was a horrible day after that, but, you know, it felt good. It got accomplished, stuff accomplished, and, Watching the football game, I feel very comfortable because I was dry now. Uh, so that was a pretty good day. Now, the next day, because I'm going to Orlando, which normally I can't do on Sundays, I was like, no, I could, I can, I think I, I can get my Sundays back almost soon. Uh, I went to see Rhoda. So I think I'm going to come see you on Sunday because I'm not going to be around. My mother, ladies and gentlemen. So I get there. And now when I'm driving the car, I'm looking forward to going because I know we're going to go to the diner, or I'm hoping. And and I really am enjoying going down there because I like when we go to the diner. I don't know whether she likes the diner or not, but I like it. So I say to myself, you know, screw her if I like the diner. I mean, if she really hates the diner, we won't go to the diner. But I've never heard her say that. But, of course, she never tells us the truth anyway, so we'll never know, like I said. For 30 years, we thought she liked Chinese food. We had no idea she didn't like it. 
Um, so, so I get and and and. And a lot of times when I'm going down there now, I was like, you know what? I don't want to yell at my mother anymore. I feel bad. You know, I still, as much as I make fun of her, obviously I love her, but I also really do hate her um, because she's so selfish. And like I'm saying, hate her in the way she treats others and things like that. But unlike my father, I will always love my mother. Because like I said, before my dad died, she was a very pleasant person. So I don't know what happened. Anyway, so I go down and I'm like, you know, let me just be nice, but, you know, she's so irritating. And every every son or daughter, you just, your mother's annoying. So you can't help but to pick on him, even though you're like, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to fight my mother anymore. I don't want to get irritated by my mother anymore. But what are you going to do? We're all like this. Um, so I get down there and I say, <laughs> I can't even believe this. So I say, are you, let's go to the diner. And she goes, oh, well, I have food here. And that set me off. I I, I just went ballistic and started pretty much screaming at her because I'm like, are you, you don't learn shit? How many times do we have to tell you to just shut up? Just, like, we don't say shut up, but we, you know, how many times we just tell you, stop with your fucking shit. Stop saying you have food in the house. You have nothing that anyone wants in the house. And this is the reason no one wants to come over and see you. Because you do not listen. Here we are saying, here's how you get your grandchildren down. Have food that normal people would like to eat. So I went. So I said, "Well, what food do you have?" She goes, "Oh, I went to Lock, Stock, and Deli, and I got a cabbage, stuffed cabbage, and a sweet potato knish." And I'm like, "What the fuck is the matter with you? When have I ever said, oh, God, may I? Can you please make some of your wonderful cabbage?'" I said, "You know, if you." The one dish that I like that she makes, which she knows I like, are like chicken and peppers. I said, if you had that, I could say, oh, thank you. You knew I was coming and you prepared that. What a lovely gesture. But no, stuffed cabbage? Whatever I said that. And then I said, and, I was t- and then I said, if you're going to this lock, stock, and deli, why not? You knew I was coming today. Why not say, you know what I'll do for David? I'll get a huge spread like we used to do with bagels, lox, cream cheese, herring, the whole works. Because I know my son's coming today. Because that's what a normal Jew or Italian mother does. Not the bagels and lox, but you know what I'm talking about. They prepare for their sons or daughters or grandkids coming with food. That is what these people offer. And they offer the Jello pudding pops. No, but that's that's the thing. We all know this, and this woman does not understand. And I just let it out. I for if if it was videotaped, you would have seen me going off for seven minutes, probably about how she does not listen, and and how 
all anybody wants is food. And then I said, I can't believe you knew I was coming and you have nothing and you knew I liked the diner. You know, the one reason I can come here is like, you got a nice diner here, which I enjoy spending time with you at. And then you want to keep me here and have stuffed cabbage. What the fuck is the matter with you? And I said, this is why your grandkids, you keep saying Why don't my grandkids come to visit? How many times do we have to tell you? Have food ready. And now it's too late. You've ruined your chances. They're 20. And it's still not really that late. You can still do it. But when they were young, on my podcast, which you said you hate because you heard this, which she doesn't remember, they sit there saying, we love Grammy. It's not that we don't love her, but she never has food in the house. So if you keep asking why they don't come to visit and we keep telling you have normal people food ready, you fucking selfish prick, why don't you do it? And then I pointed out the other time when Beth specifically said, go shopping for the kids. Have it ready when they get there. This is when they were 10. And she did not have it ready when they got there. And she goes, oh, we can go out shopping now and you can pick up. Because that's what kids love is going food shopping with their grandmother. Oh, every kid of 8 and 10 and 12 loves going food shopping with their grandmother. No. The grandmother is supposed to have the food there that the kids like. And she should know by the time they're 8 already. And then you go out to buy toys. That's what a grandmother does. Shopping, what are they supposed to do when they're shopping? Maybe there's a couple kids that enjoy going food shopping. So she says, well, I'll let you pick out whatever you want. Here's where it gets me. And I know I've told you all these stories already. I'll let you pick out whatever you want. And and, and we went over this uh, being Liza on Sunday. So Liza goes, I want frozen pancakes. I found out it was pancakes. I thought it was waffles. I, I had the story retold to me, but I was completely right. I'm going to get the frozen pancakes. And then Grammy says, no. I'm like, why are you telling her no? You just told her she could pick out whatever she wants. I might eat them. Fuck you. Throw it out. Then use some goddamn willpower. You want your kids to visit, and yet you don't do everything. Your daughter is telling you, here's how the grandkids will visit you. And then you don't do it. It's... We don't know what it is. What is it that she just, we're telling her, have this ready. It's not a financial issue. It's just a lazy, selfish, horribleness issue that we just can't figure out and it never stops. And so so I got this angry where I'm trying to explain to her and I'm like, you know, the only way you're going to have kids visit now is like, you're going to have to come up with something. You're going to have to come up with, like, you're going to have to get a 100-inch TV and a gaming console. And then I I guarantee Billy, the last one you have a chance with, who's only 15 or 16, will come down and visit you so he can play this video games on a set he does not have at home. You're going to have to get a PlayStation 4 and the ultimate gaming thing. That's maybe all you got right now because food is not your deal. And food is the very easy and expensive way to get your grandkids to come visit. But obviously, she's not going to do that. So we have to come up with something maybe that will get the grandkids there. But it doesn't matter because even if we tell her what to get, she ain't going to get it. She's not going to do it. 
So if you're like that, you go to the actual bagel place. Why not say, you know what? I'm going to do something nice for my son. I'm going to have something ready. He's always complaining about food. Let me shove this in his face, (laughs) you know, even for spite purposes, put it together. And then see if I still complain, then I'm the dick. So we end up, we, of course, we go to the diner. I can't even fucking believe it. I, you know, I calm down. I feel horrible. I said, I know you always say I'm picking on you all the time. I'm not picking on you. I'm trying to explain to you why people hate you. <laughs> like, I don't know whether I said it like that. I probably did. Because it's so frustrating. Because, you know, it's not this. Just I hear it from her neighbors. I hear it from her stupid bridge group friends. They're like, what's with your mother? Why is she so selfish? And remember, what she with poor Al, her stupid boyfriend that she treated like a bag of shit where his, his kids got to step in and say, Rhoda, we don't want you dating our father anymore. You're a selfish twat. What does it take to understand? So this is the best. We're at the diner and we're eating. There's a pause in the conversation. And after 80 years now, <laughs> like you know, 50 for me telling her, she goes, so what are you saying? It's all about the food? <laughs> it's like a joke. It's like, well, that yes, that's that that is the, the the point. I'm yes, that is the point I'm trying to make. I I thought she was she wasn't even kidding when she said it. That's something I would do, but she was not kidding. I I think maybe I finally got through to her. I don't know. I guarantee I didn't, but. Is that, is she completely insane or what? So after I leave and uh, I, I just didn't want to, how old am I? I didn't want to drive when it got dark because it's fun driving when it's nice out. I work in an office all day now without windows and it's fun being outside when it's light out. I don't spend a lot of hours outdoors in the light. I don't think a lot of people do. So it's fun driving when it's nice out and sunny and it's been raining so much so I wanted to leave early and you know catch the last game at Beth's house or something saw the uh, the end of the Chargers Ravens game boy that was something interesting too and I went to Beth's and Beth of course and Dory are doing a production of Annie again at her stupid school with those stupid kids and uh I'm talking to Liza Liza's home you know from college and I say she's like are you gonna stay for dinner I'm like I don't know if I can put up with those two idiots talking about how great eight-year-olds are again. And then Liza starts laughing because, you know, that's our thing. We, are, we always make fun of it. As you know, I've played it on the podcast before. She's an all-around entertainer. Eight-year-old they're talking about, you know. So um, I stay for dinner because Matt's, you know, such an awesome cook. And uh, I stay for dinner and Dory starts in with the talk. And Liza and I are just looking at each other and we're laughing hysterically because I don't know how they don't know how ridiculous they sound. Now, I know they want to talk about work and everything, and I obviously get that. But it, you know, when you're just talking about it, like, oh, my God, she is so talented. <laughs> how can you not laugh at that? So anyway, my sister realized we were making fun of her and she got furious and left the table. She said, I should be allowed to talk about whatever I want. And, you know, she's right. And Liza got in a lot of trouble because, you know, she was, we were both laughing. We just can't help it. It's really funny. And the best part is, is that the girl that she said was the all over on entertainer in, um, remember in Shrek, she was one of the three blind mice and they were going to steal the show. And then I saw the show and I'm like, really? This is the, this is the, you call stealing the show? Um, is now Annie. 
so I guess she is an overall entertainer. I, maybe I, uh, maybe I, maybe I can apologize. I don't know. Uh, but uh, ugh, probably have to go see it. But I, oh, there's no kids in it that I know. Why do I gotta go? Oh God, it's gonna suck, and it's always Super Bowl weekend. Ugh, it's horrible, 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 horrible. But uh, that's what I did. Then, but I had a really nice week. I went out every night this week so far. Monday, I went to get wings, of course, because it was the last week. Watched the national championship. Me and Murphy had a good time. Um, and it's funny. So there was I don't know how old this girl is. The waitress there, maybe maybe she's twenty eight, twenty nine, possibly thirty. No, we didn't think she liked us or anything, but she, Murphy even kept saying, and he saw it too. She kept touching me every time she walked by, every time. But we just totally put it to that, you know, South Park raisins, uh, <laughs> you know, that thing that, that was the Hooters ripoff. Like, hi, welcome to raisins, you know, like, and how Butters like fell for the thing. That's, we figured that's what she was doing. I, I didn't think anything else of that. But it was because she wasn't touching him. It was really weird. Every time she walked past the bar, she found a way to touch my arm or or, or the back. It, it was really, uh, I mean, really, if um, if I was younger, there was no way I wouldn't think she was interested except if I hadn't seen that South Park uh, show. And so at the bar that day, there was all these improv, all these UC, the UCB fucking plays that I hate moved up to I guess around the Times Square area and now they hang out in our sports bar and they do not care for the sports it's the national goddamn championship and they're all just talking about theater it's a, it's like Beth and Dory might as well fucking be there and they don't drink so the waitress and the manager are furious they're just having water and they're like blah 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 oh my god improv is great oh it was so annoying so they're not rooting for Clemson. They're not rooting for Alabama. They're just bags of shit improv people that need to be destroyed. Improv people might be the worst people of all time. Stand-up comics are stand-up comics, and they are horrible people, but they're fun and they're funny. But improv people are just, you know, unless you're really good and it's like so noticeable, improv sucks. I have no idea why it's popular. I will never understand, and as you know, I was in an improv group in 1988 and was horrible at it, but there, I remember there were a couple of good, really good people in that cast, uh, you know, especially the guy we've talked about when we show all the objects, and every you know, you have a comb, you have a, a water bottle, and every object was a Hitler mustache. Now, that kid is a genius. That kid is obviously a genius, but other people suck. Uh, obviously, the people also suck who don't find that kid to be a genius. Uh, they don't understand the subtleties of everything that you have seen in an object being a Hitler mustache. They don't seem to understand the brilliance of comedy <laughs> in that factor. Uh, so there's that. Um, uh, I'm just, I'm going off, uh, you know, I have some topics and I'm just going off and on with some stuff. Uh, just, uh, 
finishing up the week. On Tuesday, I went out with uh, my uh, 23-year-old friend, Caitlin Carmichael, who I saw the Clueless Musical, and King Kong with, who I like very much. And I went with her 23 friends. Some of them hadn't turned 22 yet. So it was me and five girls, um, all very attractive, very attractive, uh, at trivia night at this place called The Australian on, uh, I think, 38th and between 6th and 7th. Tuesday trivia night. So we got there, and um, we're having, you know, it was a great time, really great time. But the best is like, well, your friend Dave's really smart, really smart, because I was asking questions that you just really have to be old enough to know. Uh, it wasn't like I had any knowledge, you know, just like there, you know, I'm, you know, 30 years older than them. So they're like, uh, 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 who, who was in the original Star is Born or who are the two, you know, like, I'm like, uh, you know, and they're like, there, there was an original Star is Born. Um, uh, so, you know, I had those kinds of men. Who was the original odd couple in the movies? You know, uh, they, they'd never heard of Jack Lemmon or Walter Matthau. So, then they're like, oh, thank you. You know, meanwhile, you know, so it was fun. So it was perfect. I, you know, can hold my own in that sense. So then I become uh, relevant. And uh, we had a really great time. We, I, you know, I had like three uh, pints of beer, right? I didn't realize how drunk I was. And I think Caitlin had no idea how drunk I was. She kept asking for like double bourbon and ginger because she felt there wasn't enough alcohol. But clearly when she went home, she didn't even understand when she woke up in the morning how drunk she was because I guess they were giving her alcohol. I don't know. She wasn't feeling it. And then they also give out, like, free shots for stuff. We got a bottle of champagne. When I got home, I was like, boy, I'm a little drunk. I don't know why. Uh, and then when I thought about it, I'm like, oh, I guess we drink. We mixed. So we drank a lot more than usual. But it certainly was fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to doing it again. And there's nothing funnier than me hanging out with uh, these 22-year-old kids, you know. These kids... Uh, you know, you got these kids in the business and uh, wonderful, uh, very nice girls. And then, uh, yeah, then Wednesday I went to the Nets game. So I went out three days in a row. I don't know what is that all about. I usually never do that, especially when I'm, you know, because this time I said I'm going away on a trip. Um, I, You know, why Why am I? I'm always so afraid when I go on the way the trip to go out. I'm like, what, 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 am, I, what am I doing? What am I doing? Who gives a shit? I'm going as a vacation. I'm doing nothing down there. I don't have anything to do. I don't got to, you know, I'll just hopefully it'll, I'll be as relaxed as it was in L.A. and just drink and smoke and not worry about shit, you know. So anyway, the receptionist in my office got me a Christmas gift, which was this beautiful um, vape cartridge. And uh, I needed one, you know, because it's like my favorite thing. It's revolutionary in getting high. Uh, it's a very mellow high and it's really easy to carry around and it doesn't make me crazy. So I can concentrate on it, which is something new. So I just had it on my desk at work and I was thinking what I've been trying to get rid of, uh, a couple of people in my staff at the office, um, because they stink and it's very difficult to get rid of people these days if you're not a white male. So if you're a black if you're black, if you're a black woman, if you're a woman, if you have a medical condition, these this is my staff. Uh, it's almost impossible to get rid of anybody because everybody's going to sue. Uh, ageism, all that stuff. The only person that they can get rid of tomorrow is me. 
you know, a white male who everybody now hates, a white middle-aged male that nobody gives, you know, everybody hates now. So I can be let go at any given time. Meanwhile, obviously they love me there, so uh, it's not going to happen. But they don't have to make a case for me. They, you know, it's just going to happen. Everybody else got to make a little case for. Them. Meanwhile, uh, they're just horrible. We need to replace them, right? And mostly because they they only work part time. You know, you want full time points. So there's a thing going on, right? So I was thinking. So I left the the weed on my desk pretty much, uh, just out there because I don't think of it as weed. It's not like pot. You know, it's just this cartridge and uh, like a gummy thing so it doesn't i didn't even think about it because it, it, it's so what is it going to be legal tomorrow you know so who cares so i'm leaving it on my desk but i was thinking i'm pretty sure that um what one of the girls uh who i want to get rid of knows my what i'm planning and so i was thinking um i wonder if she's going to come into my office and find the weed and we can relive this scene What do you think you're doing? Randolph, Mortimer, come in here quickly. I finally caught him. Who are you? I've caught him red-handed. Winthorpe, is that you? I'm making a citizen's arrest. This man is a drug dealer. Look, look here in his office drawer. He's got all the bad drugs here. Marijuana joints, pills, quaalude, Valium, yellow ones, red ones, cocaine grinder... Drug needles, he's the pusher, not me. Really, I just came in and caught this man planting this stuff in my desk. It's obviously some primitive attempt to try to frame me. Frame you? Boy, if that isn't the pot calling the kettle black. This man's obviously a lunatic. I'm calling security. Put that phone down. Hello, security. Merry Christmas. (laughs) <laughs> that's all I was thinking was she was going to come to my desk and be like, Mortimer, get in here. I've caught him red-handed. You know, she's going to plant that stuff in my desk to um, get me in trouble. That's, so, you know, I mean, this is stuff I think about all the time. Uh, just scenes from uh, movies, of course. And, uh, yeah, wait, because I had some, what else did I want to say? Was it, uh, let me just... Uh, because I had something. What was it that I? Huh. What was it? I had something because I, I remember it was something from Working Girl, and I said, "I'm sorry, but I just won't stand for that kind of talk." I don't remember what it was. Was it somebody who was uh, mean to me? I can't think about it, but I know I, uh, I I was thinking about that working girl clip, and then I was and I was just like, let's just play the whole scene. And the funny thing is, I found the scene, and it stops just before Sigourney Weaver says that line. I'm sorry, but I just won't stand for that type of talk. We really don't have any more time for fairy tales. Well, Miss Parker, let me ask you a question. How did you come up with the idea for Trask to buy up Metro? How did I, uh... Well, let's see, the, um... The impulse. 
What led you to put the two together? Well, you know, I would have to check my files. I can't recall exactly the, um... Well, generally. It's not as if it was in the mainstream. You know, it would have to be the, um... Jack, help me out here. Warren, I beg your pardon, but if... If you are insinuating... Miss Parker, if I were you, I'd go to your office and take a long, last look around. Because in about five minutes, I'm going to see to it that you get the boot. But good. But good. Warren, this is a simple misunderstanding, and I... You cannot... I can, and I will. Now get your... What did you call call it? it? Bony Bony ass. Right. Bony ass out of my sight. See, and then it just ends, and that's when she says, Oren, I won't sit here and be treated and talked to like that. And that's the part I was looking for, and yet it's gone. And then I was thinking, God, she's so good in this movie. She, You know, Sigourney Weaver, we talk about how good she is. Um, and then that's that scene where, uh, you know, early on where uh, Tess is trying to make that reservation, and then she just starts, oh, well, maybe you're just not doing it the right way. And I always talk about that scene in uh, the Mary Tyler Moore episode where Lou Grant comes in. Remember, I, I talk about this all the time because he's got that, he's got like, oh, I know everybody in D.C. They go to D.C., and then he, he everybody he knows is dead. And then he turns out, of course, to know Gerald Ford, who was the president, at the standing president at the time. But then Dabney Coleman comes in, and he goes, well, I tried to make a, rest- a reservation. And he goes, oh, maybe you just didn't uh, talk about it the right way. And uh, Sigourney Weaver does that in this scene. I called the inn. They said all they can give you is a ground floor single in the new wing. Did you tell them it was me? Well, I said Parker. Helmut, here is Catherine Parker. Wunderschön, danke. Und Sie? Wie ist der Rücken? Gut. Und Marlena? Fabelhaft. Hören Sie, ist es möglich, das 314 zu bekommen? Vielen, vielen Dank. Sie sind mein Süßer. Gut. Bis heute Abend dann. Also. Ciao. Uh, that's amazing. I, that's so good. I don't think I could ever do that. And I don't think, I don't know whether she speaks German or not, but I tell you, if I was in a movie and I was forced to do an accent or, or a, a different language, even if I could memorize it, I don't know if I could do it like that. It sounded perfect. So funny just uh, getting on the phone talking German. I mean, it makes the movie so good because it's like you could see Tess looking at her like, wow, I am so impressed with this woman. It's amazing. And you know what the funny thing was? I think about this took place in 1988. I used to work for women like that in 1988 uh, when I was working at Citibank and stuff like that. The, you know, there there were a lot of strong women workers back then. Uh, I think we forget sometimes because there weren't many, but the ones that were there were pretty damn powerful. And I used to work for, uh, she was like the head of the, the bank back in 1988. I remember her name was Connie McCann. And she was just like that. And uh, she was pretty enough and uh but pretty and and nice and powerful and that was 1988 that was pretty impressive right but uh yeah so anyway uh i you know i i had told my mother going back for a second uh 
at the diner because my sister and I have been talking about this to go on medication. We've been telling her to go on antidepressants. Now, there is no reason why she shouldn't go on antidepressants. Now, from what I've been told, when I was on the antidepressants for two years, I was a joy to be around. And my sister and mother and boss at the time were very upset when I went off of them. And I don't really remember how they worked, but I remember they were very successful and um, I needed them at the time and they were successful. But, of course, they cause, uh, you know, lack of sex drive and, and stuff like that and stuff that, you know, those after effects that the good pills always do. So uh, that's when I, you know, my doctor gave me a prescription for uh, Levis, Leviathan, what, what is it? The, whatever, not the Viagra or something, but the other one, because I guess you, you needed to work it out. Um, so, you know, what's the big deal of our mother going, what is, what is you know, so what's the downside in her being on antidepressants? She's very depressed. It clearly runs in the family. And at 84, why not, why not, why not go on antidepressants? Why, what are you, but of course, you know, that generation doesn't understand that. So my friend Caitlin, who I've had on this show before um, at work, we got into a huge blowout fight on Monday because she hadn't paid for the football pool yet. And I asked her to Venmo me. You all know I have problems with money. She gave me cash. Cash isn't good for me. I would prefer it in Venmo. So at the time when I need it, I can put it in my checking account. And I know I won't spend it. So I asked her if she could please Venmo, but she would not do it. Now, if somebody waits, if I'm asking people in the football pool, I ask them to only please pay electronically in Venmo or PayPal, if I ask you every day for a month, for four months, to please pay me electronically, and then you insist on giving me cash and throw it in my face, how am I wrong? Why wouldn't she just say, she has a Venmo account, I know she does, we've Venmoed each other before, why wouldn't she just say, I'll get you the money? If the person who's owed the money wants it in a certain way, isn't that the way they should get it? Well, I must have touched on something where she went crazy. She was We were in each other's faces so much that I was like, dude, you need a breath mint, man. No, but it, we were like close enough that um, Joe has been saying that we, we almost made out. Uh, she was so angry. She was like, shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck. Like she was going to hit me. She was going to hit me. It was really funny fucked up how angry she was and i really i'm usually wrong but i don't think i was wrong i didn't say anything wrong i just said i cannot believe you're not giving me the money you know i have problems with money i'm asking you to pay me in this way and i'm not doing it in a in a mean way i'm not doing i'm doing it in an adult way i'm saying can you please venmo it to me instead of cash it's better for me and she's like, just take the fucking hundred. What's the big fucking deal? She was going crazy. And then and we were headed to lunch together. And uh, so we went to lunch. Even after that, really 
blowout fight. And we had lunch together. And by the end of lunch, everything was fine. Now, she's been on antidepressants. And I believe that if she wasn't on those antidepressants, I don't even know whether we'd be friends anymore. She holds grudges. She does not, you know, if you're, I got to just apologize with her all the time because she'll never, she'll never think she's wrong and she'll never back down. And we didn't talk for a long time when I found out she was getting engaged because, um, I don't know. I did, you know, she didn't tell me and I took umbrage with that, you know, ahead of time she told other people and I really thought she was just trying to say, I don't want to be friends with you or, you know, our relationship was strained at the time. But now everything's good, and it's weird, but I think because of those antidepressants, she got over it real quick, and then the next day she's like, hey, you want to go out for a drink? Like, really, I, I, I think something she would not have gotten over for a very long time had it not been for this miracle drug. And she has been a happier person and, and fun and different, and it's very easy to deal with her. Um. And that's me talking, you know. So I'm just saying, when I see this effectiveness of this drug, you know, on a person that doesn't take any shit and, and is very angry and has anger issues, I think, because, uh, you know, my friend uh, Straight Lee, who's Gay Lee, uh, you know, points that out immediately just upon meeting her. Um, I mean, she's a lovely person, you know, but she definitely has anger issues. Um, where I've gotten over it over the years uh maybe because of the drug uh had its effect on me at the time i was taking it it might have worn uh, you know uh, carried on but what i'm saying is this this these antidepressants are they're terrific and and they really do work and i you know um i should probably go on them but it does affect your sex drive and if i'm ever gonna have sex again uh i i, I can't be on them so but my mother should have no reason, <laughs> because at least no reasons I want to know about, uh, to not be on them. And I don't know. I, you know, I know she's, a, I don't know what she's afraid of. I don't think she's afraid of or anything, but she's on, you know, it's not like she's not, like I don't, I have to take a pill every day. I have a thyroid problem. I take a pill every day. I hate taking a pill every day. I hate it. I never wanted to do it. So that was a problem for me. She's an old person. She takes pills every day. You know, she's got the pill pack. She's got to take her daily pills every day for whatever reason. Her eyes, her heart, her liver. Who the fuck knows what she's taking pills for? What's the difference if she takes an antidepressant drug? So that's something. Uh, I wanted to talk about my sleep patterns. I know people have problems sleeping all the time. My sleep patterns have been very interesting. I've been very wide awake lately, but my sleep patterns are completely off. And uh, maybe it has to do with drinking. I'm not sure. The last three nights I've gone to bed. Well, Monday I went, well, like, you know, like mostly I've been going to bed around 1130, which is early for me. Waking up at two or three, watching two hours of TV, and then going back to bed. But quite frankly, that has been successful. I have been awake and alert. So I don't know. I usually had fallen asleep at work or something all the time, but now I don't know. I'm like awake. I'm not sleepy. Um, 
I can't figure it out because uh, that shouldn't be the way to live. But it seems to be working. So I get up and I watch a movie. It's it's terrific. Uh, so the last couple of nights I saw Bird Box, which you know you have to see because you got to see what everybody's talking about. That's the Sandra Bullock Netflix uh, movie. That was pretty good. It was pretty good. It's you know it's um, it was really good actually. It was fun. You know everything's a little too long. For me, it's two hours. At least it was only two hours. It's not like a Marvel movie that's like 240 two hours and 40 minutes. I finally saw Infinity Wars. That ending is so fucked up. I'm like, what? I just waited two hours and 40 minutes for this. These movies are way too long. I'm really, a normal movie should be about two hours, but a real, like a regular movie should be an hour and 40. That's pretty, it's surprising in this day and age that they make such long movies. My guess is that they feel... People are paying so much for movies that they have to make it worth your while. But I disagree, and I don't think movies are really that expensive. I really don't care if I'm going to pay 15 bucks. Or who gives a shit? But I don't go to the movies that often. And then I saw that Black Mirror thing that, uh, what's it called? Bashanda nigga, whatever. Bashanda uh, <laughs> nigga. Uh, no, that's not what it's called. I, I Bandashir, something like that. It's a choose-your-own-adventure story. I watched that last night. And that was interesting, too. Very interesting. You know, it's kind of fun. You press the clicker and choose the way the story goes. So that was it. I don't know if you've seen any of those, but um, it was kind of fun, and that was the perfect time to watch it. I knew I'd be wide awake. Uh, You know, I slept really good for like three hours, and then I slept really good for three hours after that. So maybe sleeping real tight for three hours in a row is better than sleeping eight hours where you're kind of awake and you have some REM sleep and you don't. I don't know. But my sleep patterns are always off and on. during, And this time of the year, this does always happen to me. Now that I think about it, around January and February, I always have strange sleep patterns. Now that I think about it, around this time of the year. Because I used to always go to California around then and I always had, I thought it was always stress over that. But I'm not that stressed. Or maybe, you know, I am going away. So maybe that has something to do with it. Um, interesting. Uh, what else do we have to talk today? I, Cory Booker has a new girlfriend, um, who is the super hot smoking Rosario Dawson. Now I just read it in the paper, so I'm allowed to talk about it, but I've already known about this because they met at Sarah Silverman's party in September. When I was telling you Cory Booker was there, I've known Cory Booker for a while, but I could not go up to him because I was hammered. But apparently he has been thanking Sarah for introducing him to Rosario Dawson, and now they are apparently in love. And that is in the paper, so that's not any kind of gossip I'm telling you. The only gossip I'm giving you is that they met at Sarah Silverman's party, so it was very, it's always fun to be in the, the know-how of gossip um, that I heard before I saw it in the paper. Um, I don't know why they would make it a secret. There's two single people and uh, both very nice folks. So uh, good for them. Uh, but he's been calling Sarah like, thank you, thank you so much. I mean, I wonder if they'll get married. I thought he might be gay. But they're in love, which is interesting. She's ridiculous. So the Jets um, just hired a new coach that everyone is pissed about, as usual, because the Jets suck, 
And um, they, you know, we've been waiting. Now look, there's nothing I can do about it. I'm definitely a Jets fan. I I can't help it. I want to not be. But I don't know what it is. What can I do? It started early on with this. Is there anything special I can do for you, Bobby? Could you come over for dinner one night, Joe? No, I'm afraid not. I have to hop a plane right after the game. How about an autographed photo, Bobby? I brought one along for you. That'll be great. Better lie down. You look weaker. What would you like for me to say on it, Bobby? To my great friend, Bobby Brady. To my great friend, Bobby Brady. At Lou's house, I always have dinner when I'm in town. You do? Whatever he says, Herb. I'm sorry, I won't get a chance to meet some of his friends. To meet some of his friends. Like Eddie Clark, Tommy Hamner, Todd Kearney, Bert Stevens. Give him a chance to catch up. There, I'm caught up. Go ahead, Bobby. And especially Eric Parker, who refused to believe that I'm really good friends with Bobby Bray. <laughs> That's all? That's all. Now you can write whatever you want. <laughs> well, Alice, she passed her first aid test. Um, how do you not like the Jets after you're growing up seeing that great Joe Namath in a classic Brady Bunch episode? I mean, come on. Now, so I was always just like, well, the Jets, the Jets. And then I was um, a Giants fan because, you know, they won the Super Bowl in 1986. Uh it was exciting, and then, of course, the 1990-91 season, you know, was unbelievable. I mean, what a Super Bowl. That's, the, I think, the Whitney Houston one, and the the kick, and the bills, and the wide left, and the, you know, I mean, all that. I mean, the Giants, wow, it was amazing. But after that, I remember always just watching, you know, my the Jets were always on. They're always, they always sucked, always after Joe Namath just, I mean, they've never been good after Joe Namath. Really, after this episode, they've never been good. So, uh, you know, but I remember being at home, watching TV, eating on a Sunday, and still watching the Jets when uh, Boomer Esiason was playing, the the fake spike. I remember just, like, God, can't the Jets? Pete Carroll was there. I mean, I remember just always watching the Jets, not the Giants. Always fascinating because I guess they were losers. and. I felt a kinship to that. And everything they do is wrong. And they have such bad luck. How could I not follow a team like that? And once in a while, they have a couple highs. The Jets are Dave Juskow. So I always just want them to be great, but they just always suck. And everything they do sucks so they hire this new coach who just sucked being the miami dolphins coach his name's adam gase and they so they've done this before they hired this idiot rich kotite who came from the philadelphia eagles who had just gone like one and 15 
and they decided to hire this guy after one in 15 season to coach the Jets. So after the Dolphins just went, I don't know, maybe six and eight or seven and nine, that's who they hired to coach the Jets. The fuck is the matter with them? It's almost like they don't want to be good on purpose, but it just doesn't add up. And of course, you know, this wants me to play the legendary that we've played before, Jets draft picks montage, which really just says it all. We play this every time the Jets just do something stupid. Johnny Lamb Jones. Wide receiver Texas. I think it's a good selection, but a very surprising one. UCLA running back Freeman McNeil. As a season ticket holder of the Jets, I'm going to boo. Jets take the first-round selection, quarterback, Ken O'Brien of California, Davis. Everybody said if Marino was going to be around at that time, they'd take Marino. Obviously, the Jets know something that, you know, the people up here don't. Remember that one. That is the draft that they chose Ken O'Brien instead of Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, and John Elway. No. Am I right about that? Yeah, I think maybe I'm off on that way, but I don't think I am. And they chose Ken O'Brien. Oh, thank you. New York Jets first round selection. Fullback. Roger Vick, Texas A&M. Oh. New York Jets first round choice. Jeff Lagerman, linebacker, Virginia. obvious to me right now that the Jets just don't understand what the draft's all about. <laughs> the New York Jets select Blair Thomas, running back, Penn State. The New York Jets select Johnny Mitchell, tight end, Nebraska. So New York, New York becomes tight end, tight end. We want Sapp, we want Sapp, we want Sapp. The New- They're saying they want Warren Sapp. Um, you might know Warren Sapp. He won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. New York Jets select tight end from Penn State, Kyle Brady. The only thing good about Kyle Brady is his sister was ridiculously hot. Um, God, they really suck. And they've sucked over the years. And they moved the draft from New York, I think, so we, we don't get any of these fun clips anymore when the Jets make a bonehead pick. Um, but, oh... It's just so, I found out last night, and it just makes me so angry. There there were so many other people they could have at least tried, and why? So here are the tweets from today. I feel like somebody could come out with, wait, I'm sorry. That's hard for me to read. I feel like somebody should come out with cameras now. The New York Jets can't be this stupid. I don't know what that means. Um, the Jets are the Mets with football helmets. Exact reason why this franchise has been a joke for 50 years. These are the ones they put in the paper today. Jets customer service number is going to blow up with cancellations. I have no choice. I already paid for my season tickets. Go Jets. I mean, people are just pissed. Everybody knows how it is. Although there is a certain camaraderie between Jets fans because we all have been through this. Remember, I had Jets season tickets for 10 years before I started realizing that just going to the Giants' tailgates is so much more entertaining. 
and so much more fun, and it's a better class of people because Jets fans are just gross because they just – how can they not be? There's only teams that win that are going to have, you know, pretty fans. Uh, you know, I, I can't imagine that the Cleveland Browns have a, a select uh, choice of people, although now they have hope. This Baker Mayfield is something else. They got a brand new coach that uh, they're looking at the Mike McCarthy or something like that. You know, they got they got they're doomed as well. They're just as bad. I just you know I'm from this area, so I just know about the Jets. Let alone what uh, Bill Parcells, how he dicked us over with Bill Belichick, who was our coach for a day, and then really just changed our fortunes in a to have no fortune whatsoever. Yeah, I know, I say our. What's the matter with me? I mean, look at this. Even this guy, Michael Bublé. Michael Bublé. Michael Bublé. The idiot crooner who just does Christmas songs, he mocks the Jets. I, I toured all over the world. I went to Lithuania, Sweden, Switzerland, Afghanistan. I mean, a ton of Australia, New Zealand, Wisconsin. And I'll tell you what, what I can tell you is that no matter where you go, no matter what language you speak, we're all united by the same thing. None of us are happy with the New York Jets. What? Michael Bublé is making fun of us? That's when you know you really suck. Because that guy sucks. I think um, we should play some more uh, Joe Namath clips. Well, it's the least we could do, Mrs. Brady. Well, you know, you got here in the nick of time. Bobby was just about at the end of his rope. What? <laughs> hey, everybody. Oh, hi, honey. Hey, you homo. Uh, Mike, this is my husband, Mike. This is Mr. Namath and Mr. Keller. It's very nice to meet you. How do you Mr. do? Mr. Keller? Uh, you really have quite a son there, Mr. Brady. <laughs> this whole thing must be pretty upsetting. Well, when you have six kids, something like this bound to happen to one of them. <laughs> Excuse me, you, you don't seem to be taking this very seriously. Oh, well, there's no reason to get upset over a problem like this. How'd you find out about it? Well, I got this letter from Bobby. Mr. Namath, I'm afraid we owe hey, you an apology. This is dear Mr. Namath, my name is Bobby Brady, and I'm 12 years old, and I'm writing to you because I'm very, very, sick. very, very sick. <laughs> Mr. Namath, I'm afraid we owe you an apology. I I think the kids are trying to put something over on you here. You mean Bobby's not sick? Well, he might be when we get through talking to him. Yeah, yes. He and Cindy must have cooked this up between them, Mr. Namath. You see, Bobby told all his friends that he knew you. He even told them that you ate dinner over here. Mr. Mr. Namath? Cindy and I have been talking it over, and we think you should know something. See, I'm not really sick. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. I wrote the letter. He just moaned and groaned. I guess it wasn't a very nice thing to do. You can have your picture back. Well, you look pretty healthy when I talk to you upstairs, Bobby. In fact, I'm glad you're not sick. And uh, it's pretty flattering to have someone want to see me as badly as you wanted to. Oh, flattering, maybe, but I think you two are going to be penalized for illegal procedure. Yeah, but can I still keep the picture? You bet you can. And as long as I'm here, why don't we go throw a few passes together? Wow! wow. That'll be great! Okay, Bobby, here comes the bomb. Hi! 
Good catch. Well, listen, I got to get going. Boy, Joe. You know, I keep thinking, you know, he had the exact same lines on The Simpsons 30 years later. 30 years later. Joe Namath is still such an icon that 30 years later, he had like, hey, come on, Bart, let's throw a couple of bombs. I mean, uh, God damn. And he's a New York jet. And unfortunately, you know, it's just, uh, we it, it, ugh, it stinks. When you have somebody like Joe Montana, who's one of the greatest players of all time, until this Tom Brady showed up, um, and then he leaves and retires, and we don't really see much of him anymore. But then, you know, the 49ers still go to the Super Bowl, and they win another championship without him and everything. Why can't we do that? We. What am I, what am I doing? What do I care? What do I care? How does it make my – I don't know. So let's just look at it this way then. If the Jets end up going to the Super Bowl, Dave Juskow is going to get his own TV show. It's very obvious. So I think we all have to start rooting for the Jets if you want to see me do well. You're welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Now let's get to the news. In the news today, um, there's a couple of things I wanted to tell you about. Now, first of all, when I was a young boy, uh, I was... uh, you know, part homosexual, uh, because what I apparently like to do, obviously I was obsessed with New York City and Manhattan, and I had always planned on living here, and I was, I was obsessed mostly with New York City, I guess, like I said, I, you know, I'd go to Staten Island because it was part of New York City, you know, we lived right next door to Staten Island, as close as I could, but I'd travel in by myself, I'd take the ferry to the subway and just travel up and down, hang around Rockefeller Center because that's where Saturday Night Live was and the news and Channel 4, and it was exciting. And one of the things I would always do, as gay as this is, and this is really gay, because my drama teacher taught me about it in high school, is I would go to the drama bookshop. He showed it to me. I always wanted to be an actor, and he was a very good drama teacher he lived in new york city and he lived on 72nd street and he taught in new jersey so he knew everything about new york you know we would see plays together when it wasn't you know weird like it is now um remember i told you he made me audition for the floating light bulb which was the woody allen play which the kid from fast times of richmond high got instead of me which when amy heckling gets here we will say it is very possible that you and i could have worked together in 1980 if i had gotten that role but um because unfortunately, I do look like a rat. So, um, even unfortunately, the way he looks now. Uh, but let's not talk about that. Because <laughs> that'll get depressed. Um, so, he would talk about the drama bookshop. He's like, oh my God, you got to go to the drama bookshop. It's great. And what's the drama bookshop? All they got is a bunch of plays. They got plays. They got, you know, like the the, the, the official plays, the Samuel L. French books. So, you could read a play. The, the ones you would get in high school. So, everybody gets a copy of the play. And, you know, why would we want to go there? But for some reason, I enjoyed reading plays because I would pretend to do them out loud. I would practice random plays, um, you know, by myself at my house to study acting by myself. So I, and you know, they didn't have the internet, so you couldn't just get plays online. You had to go to this one store, the drama bookshop, uh, you know, is gay as it was, to uh, 
uh, go there and pick up plays. If you were going to thinking about doing a play with a bunch of other people, you'd have to get some copies and check it out. It had stage direction in there and everything. So I remember I would come in by myself and be like, you know what I'll do? I'll go to the drama bookstore and it'll be fun. I'll go to New York even by myself. And um, so I remember I, I remember like a couple of plays I picked up. I just wanted to read them. See where I remember I picked. That's how I uh, read Amadeus. Uh, and then I couldn't wait to see it, you know, because I just read the play and it was so entertaining, you know. And sometimes I'd just read it and sometimes I'd play the parts. I don't remember what other books I got. I think I found a couple of them at my mother's house, but, you know, I just really wanted to be in the theater. But this drama bookshop is all they had, you know, before the internet because I had gotten myself a play that I think I talked about online, which I can't remember what it's called, about dating a witch, and it was very easy to order online. So I never knew what happened to the drama bookshop, but I just found out that Lin-Manuel Miranda has purchased the old drama bookshop because to him as a teen, it meant a lot to him as well. So obviously somebody like that, he was able to buy it and purchase it. I didn't know it was still around. It moved from its other location where it was by, it was pretty much by Caroline's on 7th Avenue around 49th, 50th Street. And you have to take this elevator and go up there. And um, then it moved, I guess, to around the Times Square area. And... uh, He's buying it. Oh, it's on 40th Street now. And so he's going to buy it so it stays in business because I don't even know how they stay in business at this point. Uh, If you have an Amazon, I mean, what do you really need the drama bookshop for? Everything you could ever imagine is on Amazon or eBay or something, but it still exists. And I guess there's still people that, or well, people weren't going, but now he's going to buy it and support it and keep it going. And uh, even though it might be unnecessary, you know, I was reading about it, and I like it because it meant a lot to me as a kid. I don't know why it did. It just did. So good for Lin-Manuel, and he seems like a an upright dude, and he certainly wrote a good show, and he – I haven't seen Mary Poppins yet, but I'm looking forward to it and hoping he's good, and uh, he certainly was excellent on Curb Your Enthusiasm, so – I don't think anybody dislikes Lin-Manuel Miranda, and that's a good thing to put your money to, something that meant a lot to you as a kid. Now, I don't know whether I could do that just because it would be just too gay, you know, and I <laughs> like, you know, I know I keep saying it, and it's just funny. I mean, you know how much I like theater and show tunes and all that kind of stuff, and, uh, you know, I don't, couldn't care less about gayness or even if I was one, but. Everybody calls me gay, and then I do all these gay things, and I'm like, no, but I'm not. But uh, I don't care. I don't care what anyone thinks anyway. I mean, uh, you know, I kind of wish I just was gay. I mean, I haven't seen people say, I wish I was gay, I wasn't gay. I mean, I still think I'd be in this position. I don't think being gay would help me not being single, um, you know, or anything. I'm just not. And uh, certainly I've thought about it. I think I've said this on the podcast. I've put serious thought in it. Like, am I? I mean, what's the deal? Why Why am I going out with anybody or something? It has nothing to do with anything. It's just uh, I'm an idiot is what I am, I think. And uh, again, if I was really gay, I would definitely, you know, it would be great only because I could probably dress myself better or, or decorate my apartment or my office. I have no fashion sense. 
and no decorating skills, and I wish I did have them because I'd really like that to be a part of my life. It sucks. My apartment looks like I just moved in and I've lived here 20 years, and it drives me insane. I'd really like it to look nicer. Um, you know the Winklevoss twins from from uh, the Facebook movie? These guys, they're so funny in real life. All they like to do is sue people. I just was reading. They were suing somebody, some Bitcoin buyer that, that he stole some coins. They love suing people. That's all they do. Don't you think they'd be embarrassed? Would you be embarrassed if people made a movie about me? Let's just say it was me. And they made a movie about me suing a guy that invented something, you know, whatever. Now, let's say now I would totally sue somebody if I came up with this idea and if I had the means. Uh, like, like, if, like if I invented Twitter and somebody stole it from me, I'd sue them, right? But if they made a movie about me and I looked like a complete douchebag in this movie and was depicted as a complete douchebag, I'm not sure if I'd ever want to sue anybody ever again uh, for fear of completely looking like more like a douchebag. These Winklevoss twins, they just look like com- they were depicted as douchebags and they just, all they do is be douchey. And, you know, it, it makes you just want to like Mark Zuckerberg and nobody likes Mark Zuckerberg. So it's kind of funny that they actually found somebody worse than Mark Zuckerberg to dislike. Also, uh, they are moving. There's a synagogue in Washington, D.C. that they just moved to a new location. It took the fucking whole foundation and marched it down the street to another location, a very small building. The first Jewish synagogue in Washington, D.C., the Adas Israel Synagogue, Founded in 1876. That was shocking to me. Um, because, I I don't know, when you think of synagogues and, you know, Jewish people, I, I didn't even, I didn't think we were here in 1876. I, that, that was shocking. And to be in uh, D.C. is, uh, I don't know. I was just shocked. I didn't think we were here. And I found out that my favorite president attended the opening ceremony of the synagogue. President Ulysses S. Grant. Why was he my favorite president, you ask? Because, um, you know, <laughs> the the two guys I, I worshipped the most growing up as kids used to work for President Grant. <laughs> the best teams of all time the wild wild west one of my favorite shows a wild west james bond with robert conrad and it was so awesome and they they were secret agents or they were no they were secret service right wasn't that it and they worked for president grant in the 1800s but he had all these gadgets like james bond you know that were only made for the uh you know for this branch of the government this, like the magician, you know, he rode around in a train and, uh, you know, had a really cool train. That was his That was his house. And he would go to all these locations in the Wild West working for President Grant. 
I, I don't know why. I always loved that he worked for President Grant. I thought that was the coolest thing, which, of course, made President Grant the coolest person ever because President Grant hired this, you know, bunch of really cool, uh, you know, Secret Service guys to uh, kick some ass in the West, which he couldn't govern on his own, and they had gadgets and shit. And then Grant goes to uh, the synagogue, probably unpopular, you know, it's not like, uh, you know, anti-Semitism wasn't, uh, you know, around then. Uh, So it's pretty cool that he also went to the opening of the synagogue um, and he started this branch of the uh, Secret Service. I know one's a fantasy, I'm just kidding. But uh, I used to love that Wild Wild West show. Um, I remember watching when I was a kid. It's from the 60s, but, you know, they had the, the reruns on. So the opening theme was amazing. Again, one of the ones I put on my bike, like the Rockford Files, going around with the tape recorder, delivering the newspapers, uh, you know, before they had heads, uh, uh, you know, Walkmans or, or anything. Uh, that was one of the songs. You know, that song's awesome, let alone the opening credits, which was this cartoon. And remember, if you remember this show, Every, um, when they went to a commercial, it would turn into a cartoon painting of the scene that was just happening, and then it would end up in the, the picture of the puzzle of each episode would be what happened previous and everything. It was so cool. So it was like a little animation and awesome gadgets, and James Bonchett and Robert Conrad was pretty goddamn good looking. Had uh, unbelievable piercing blue eyes and, you know, way cool. And he wore a really cool Western outfit, you know, not like those Clint Eastwood movies you see. Like he wore like a velvet blue suit and hat and he looked cool. And he had that actor friend, Artemis Gordon, um, you know, who who could get in any costume. So that's why when they made that movie, I went to see it in the movies actually with Sarah. And um, I hated it because... I didn't, I didn't have any problem with Will Smith or anything, but I hate Kevin Klein so much, and I I always wanted to play that part. Artemis Gordon, it made sense. I could be the actor who you know, does different disguises and stuff. That would have been a perfect part for me. So it was also a funny, it was comedy drama, and there was action and excitement and good villains and really pretty girls that were always, you know, um, sexy because they were evil, and I always liked that kind of stuff, and oh my God, that opening theme song... So good. I mean, it's such a good theme song because it's got that Western feel that they use in like, like Back to the Future 3 and stuff. And I don't know what makes a Western. Is it the horns? Is it? You know, like when you get a country song, you get that stupid instrument that makes it a country song. Is it the whole, what makes a Western song, you know? You can feel it. Oh my God, it's such a good song. It just brings back so many memories of, uh, you know, awesomeness of at least like, well, I'm having a good time now watching this show, but then life's going to suck later. Oh, the 70s, worst time ever. Um, for me mostly. Um, oh, there's a show on tonight called Fam, 
And, uh, you know, remember I told you, you know, I went over a couple of the new shows and stuff, and I told you stuff was going to get canceled, that Happy Together uh, with that idiot Damon Wayans uh, canceled. I mean, it was so stupid. It was so obvious. So this guy saying, so there's a new show they're putting on FAM today. This Robert Rourke of The Post. And I'm taping it because when I saw the coming contraction, I'm like, this doesn't look bad, only because um, uh, who's in it? That I, Gary Cole is in it. And he looked really funny, so I'm going to give it a chance. But this is what this guy says, and it's really great. In September, CBS premiered a sitcom called Happy Together, in which a happily married suburban couple's life is thrown into a tizzy when an outsider, in this case a Justin Bieber-like pop star, moves in with them. Stupidest premise ever. After lackluster ratings, the show didn't receive an order for more episodes. Consider it canceled. This week, CBS gives us FAM. Another sitcom about a couple engaged, not married, whose happiness is compromised when an outsider moves in with them. In this case, the intruder is the half-sister of the woman in the relationship. Here's my question. Does CBS buy their comedies in pairs? You know, like boxes of Christmas cards? Buy one, get 50% off the second box? Fam is a largely witless family comedy with one bright spot, uh, Gary Cole, that's so funny because that's exactly what I saw when I saw I was like, oh, I want to watch this. Um, memorably cast as Christine, Br- uh, whatever, shines as Freddie Banks, a homicide detective who's fond of playing the horses. Oh, geez, I didn't even know. <laughs> well, I like, no wonder. I, it's so funny. I was like, <laughs> why do I like this guy? Um, his daughters, Clem and Shannon, um, think he's bad news. He is. But he's still more fun to watch than anybody else in this cast. That's, that's so funny. I, I had invited to dinner in club's perspective in-laws place he brings a bottle of expensive red wine he stole from the evidence locker at the precinct he flirts with his hostess um telling her you remind me of the woman who broke up my first marriage his karaoke version of baby got back at the end of episode two brings down the house the show however revolves around the inconvenience clem and her fiance nick experience when the snippy shannon moves in with them one entire episode resolves around Clem and Nick trying to get it on without success as Shannon barges into the bedroom, etc. Gee, this kind of chase sex scene with uh, blah, blah, blah. To camouflage the show's antique comedic bones, the writers throw in trendy jokes about HPV and STDs. Tasteful others induce groans. When Nina takes home leftover pot roast after a dinner party, Shannon asks, why would you want to take the pot roast home? There's like zero pot in it. Control that chortling now. How about this one? When Shannon inadvertently tries on her future mother-in-law's wedding dress, Clem is shocked. It's a Christian Christian Dior, she scolds. Shannon's restored. Who cares what religion it is? Oh boy, that is bad. It's a widely held belief that networks premiere their B-list shows in mid-season. If they were any good, they would premiere in the fall, right? Fam proves that across the board. Well, if they have hot girls in it, I'll usually watch it. But this one got me with Gary Cole. He looked really cool in it. And Gary Cole is really funny. He does an unbelievable Robert Reed imitation. He's brilliant in office space. And uh, he's just way cool. So I'm taping it tonight. And we'll see. Obviously, I'll let you know next week what the story is. Oh, um, this week, you know, I tweet three times a week. uh, I'm sorry, six times a week to promote the podcast. Um, In a perfect world, 
if I was famous, I would so prefer not to tweet, not to Instagram. Not, it's just a lot of work, right? So I tweet six times a week. 9 a.m. on Tuesdays, I promote the podcast. I don't know whether it works or not. should probably be doing Instagram, but Instagram's for photos, so it's tough. And then at 3 p.m. on Wednesdays, I promote the podcast. Then I try and uh, come up with jokes, uh, more current event jokes, the best I can do uh, for somebody who doesn't write jokes that often. And uh, I do the best I can just to be try and keep to be relevant. So I wrote, I saw, you know, Sears is going bankrupt, although I think today they just decided that maybe they'll keep him going for a while. Does anyone care? So I wrote, I, and I love when this happens. It's happened before with a couple of places. And I never know whether to, um, you know, put at, you know, their Twitter account when I'm writing, whether it's McDonald's or somebody like that. You're never sure if you want them involved because I have a feeling they could write back. So here's what happened this week, as some of you may know, because you've, uh, the, the, you know, you've, written on the me back on twitter with it i just moved in this is my gag i'm doing the air quotes i just moved into a new space and used to get all my hammers and tools from sears anyone know where else i can get that sign stumped in new in nyc um it's funny because i still i put at sears you know tweeting sears because i didn't want to be mean isn't that funny? I I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be one of those people. So I just wrote like this stupid joke. And they and Sears wrote back, Hey Dave, you can still get your tools. Lowe's carries all the craftsman tools now. And you'll always have uh, Sears.com and Kmart.com as well. Happy shopping. <laughs> they like saw no sarcasm in it whatsoever. Um which is hilarious hilarious um two more things uh i do want to tell you that on the february 19th show i have and why shouldn't i asked i haven't heard a response yet adam schlesinger to play because now i have an excuse to play this song because it was at one time oscar nominated Doing that thing you do Breaking your heart into a million pieces Like you always do I'll do the backup You know when he does it Don't mean to be cruel You never even knew about the heartache I've been going through Well I try and try to forget you girl Gonna practice the hard you Every time you do that thing you do I know all the games you play And I'm gonna find a way to want to hold you Alright, I gotta practice that part Get it right. 
fun facts of Orlando and a trip and less memos here because then you will hear two people who are angry at each other trying to make up on the air as you see it live. We have not spoken since the incident. And that is the story. Have a great week, everybody. I'll see you next time on The Nightfly.